this is Joshua Bell with the Kilt on the Clock. This was my sermon from this past Sunday on October 31st, Reformation Sunday. I hope you enjoy, and God bless. taken from Hebrews chapter 9 verses 11 through 14. If you'd like to follow along as I read it aloud, I think it's in your pew Bibles on page 208. I think that's where it is. But when Christ came as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and perfect tent, he entered once for all into the holy place. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls, with the sprinkling of the ashes of a heifer, sanctifies those who have been defiled, so that their flesh is purified, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works, to worship the living God. May God bless the reading of God's holy scripture. Amen. If you've noticed the last couple weeks I've been preaching about this idea about Jesus being the high priest. For the Hebrew culture, this is a big deal. Jesus being elevated as the high priest meant that he could forgive sin on behalf of the entire nation of Israel. But the only way that the high priest ever did that was through burnt offerings. So the writer here is trying to make us understand what's going on. How is it that Jesus has been elevated above all humans and and made something different? The writer is wanting you to know that they have elevated Jesus as the high priest. (sighs) To forgive us of sin which no human has ever been able to do before. Now, there's a little bit of an issue when we read this passage of Scripture. Theologically, I I have massive issues where I'm thinking that Jesus was a uh, cannibalistic ritual, that we we decided to to literally make a sacrifice uh, of Jesus and, and, and kill him Uh, on behalf of our offerings. But that's what the writer is wanting us to hear, that because of Jesus' death, the gruesomeness of it, the moment of it, it's in that place that salvation actually starts. He takes the role of the burnt offerings as well as being the high priest. That's what the writer is struggling with here. And, And one of the things that causes problems for me is Well, let's face it. You all come to church sometimes out of a sense of guilt. It's really hard for us. It's really hard for us to understand that church is all about guilt if you really get down to the basic nitty-gritty of it. We talk about how it is that we come to church, we feel the presence of God, and we feel good about ourselves for just a little bit of it. But the problem with this is it's the that we come to Jesus first out of sense of a guilty conscience. How do we people react to guilt? You know, there's, there's, 
basically two ways when someone's guilty. If they know that they've done something wrong, they could completely deny it. Pretend like it never happened. And we all know that they did it. You know? It's, it, it just so happens that we're talking about Halloween today, right? Who took the candy out of the, 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 the bag? Quentin. Oh, Madeline did it. We like to pass blame on guilt. Today, for example, is Reformation Sunday. Now, for those of you that don't know, this is a big deal. Especially for all of you sitting in this room. The church, sociologically, has changed every 500 years. And it has not stopped changing. From zero to 100, we know that we have the birth of Christ. We know the institution of his ministry. It was around three years long that we know that he ministered to people, that he was executed, and then he physically rose from the grave. And then the church began from that impetus in that first part of the century. In the early 500s, the Catholic Church then becomes the institutional entity that we know today. It's not the same as it was back then. Then in the thousands, we start having our very first moment where the church shifts. And we have these small things like the Crusades <laughs> that we really don't want to claim, but we did it. And notice I keep saying we. Because Christians, regardless of the institution that we find ourselves in, have to claim some of this guilt. The church has done horrific things in the name of God through Jesus Christ, regardless of where it is that you find your seat in the place that you feel the presence of God. In 1517, for example, Martin Luther puts 95 theses on, on the doors of the Wittenberg Chapel, where he decides that he is going to protest the things that were going on in the Big C Church and how it was affecting his chapel in Wittenberg. And bad things took place from that moment, and good things took place. And it's just so coincidental that that was in 1517, 500 and some change years ago. And here we are. We find ourselves in the same place, trying to understand our guilt as human beings, trying to make sense of it. How do we react to our guilt today? How was Christ sacrificed, making an impact on the kind of guilt that often keeps us from boldly entering into God's presence? It's a struggle. The last couple weeks I've been talking about inviting people. I, I don't really care if all the pews are filled. It's a part of our mission, biblically, to invite people to church. To have them feel the welcoming presence of God. And it's fun. I'm telling you right now, I'm the worst, world's worst at this. People ask me if... I, they say, what do you do? I say, I work with people. You all know the story. And, but at the end of the day, what ends up happening is, is that I never finish that sentence with, yeah, and you should come to church with us. It gets weird when a minister starts talking to people about church because instantaneously the first thing that people do is, is they, they start confessing. 
Like, well, I did this and I did that and I'm a horrible human being and I can't walk in the door. And I'm, after about 30 minutes, you look at them and you say, you realize I'm a, not a priest and I can't absolve you of your sin, right? And they look at me and they go, oh, we thought all of you did that. No, 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 not all of us. Not that there's anything wrong with that, you see. I'm just pointing out there's this idea that every time you talk about God, everyone comes to it from a place of guilt. And it's awful. Here we are finding ourselves 500 years in the future, and yet we still haven't figured it out. Usually what people tell me is, is when they don't come to church, they say, well, the church is full of a bunch of hypocrites. And I look at them, and you all know me, sometimes if I'm tired or if my blood sugar is low, the first thing that comes out of my mouth isn't necessarily appropriate. But I say, well, thank God for that. Because if we didn't have hypocrites, I wouldn't have a job. And they start chuckling, and I'm like, no, I'm not joking. If I wanted a bunch of perfect people, what would I have a purpose for? Oh, Josh, you're just taking it so literal. Yeah, well, that's what it is. There's a literal understanding and creation that comes from Jesus, not only as our high priest, but this offering of sacrifice to forgive us of our sin. I mean, come on. What is it that you give your life for today on behalf of others? That is that strong that shaped the entire world for 2,000 years what are the words that you use that affects change in such a way that the sacrifice that Christ made wasn't in vain again I struggle with the idea of him being a, a human sacrifice but I don't struggle with the idea of what he gave up to serve God and yes, his life was a part of that, but he also gave up being with his family. He also gave up having friends. He also gave up being around people that all agreed with him. He gave up any sense of normalcy as he walked around the world preaching and teaching a sense of God's love and compassion. And what does the church do in response to this? We create things to make people feel more guilty. So I'm, I'm warning you all, this next part you need to strap yourselves in for. One of the things the church, and I'm talking big C, all of us struggle with is this understanding of what is biblical and what is church. And what we did is we harmed people. I need you to hear me say that we've harmed people with our words. One of those things is about divorce. Oh, my goodness. It is awful what we have done in the name of God when it comes to divorce. Let me tell you a little bit about what the Bible says about it. Number one, Paul doesn't want any of you to get married. None of you should have gotten married. He is fully convinced that you cannot share the love of God fully with another human being. And that's the only way you should become married or join in a partnership is as if you can truly be a slave to the other person like you would be to God. And if you can't do that, well, then you shouldn't get married. And those couples that have been together forever and ever and ever, we all know that when you get to that point, there's a place where it's 
it's not two decisions making a choice, it's one. And it's hard. But the church, in the response to that, said, well, if you get a divorce, it's your fault. And then we shunned them. We did horrible things. You would not believe how many people have come to me and said, my mom and dad got a divorce. My, my father or my mother was extremely abusive to the other person. And you need to understand that Paul also gives us a conversation about what a, a divorce is. If you cannot be slaves to one another, you should not overpower another human being. Because you're playing the role of God. So if you're physically, emotionally, sexually abusing your partner, then you should not be together. If you are taking power and you're beating someone, you are playing something that you're not supposed to do. The other part, he says very clearly, Paul says, is an adultery. Being infidelitous in our world. It's, you could be infidelitous in all kinds of ways. You could do it through your phone. You could do it through just conversations. You could have conversations with somebody on Facebook and have an emotional relationship with someone over Facebook. And all of a sudden, the next thing you know is, is you're not being faithful to your wife or your, your husband. You are being faithful to someone else. This is what Paul is saying. These are justifications for divorce, but does the church pay attention to that? No, because that's biblical. Why would we do that? So what did we do? We treated these families as if they were broken, that there was something wrong with them. We shunned their children. We treated them like garbage. And then we said, oh, you should come to the church, but you can't do anything because you've been divorced. On behalf of the church, I want to apologize if any of you have had a church member say that to you. We come to this from a place of guilt. What a horrible way to think of God. The other way that we do these things, this is we come from a place where we think that this self-giving of, of giving of oneself, or Jesus as an offering, exchanging his life in the act of this ultimate high priestly sacrifice that it was the ultimate act of worship so that we too could offer our own self-giving worship. So I want to ask you this question. If giving one's life away or giving one's life up is the ultimate act of worship, what are the implications about our worship? What is it that you give up How are you presenting your bodies as a living sacrifice? Guess where that comes from? The Bible. Romans chapter 12. What specific ways can we worship God through giving our lives away? When we think about these things and the things that the church has done in the name of God through Jesus Christ, we come to this from a place of guilt. Where the writer here in Hebrews is trying to say, you have to let that go. That when you're in the presence of God, you are free from sin 
and of shame and of guilt. Why? Because Jesus died for the forgiveness of your sin. And if he died for that, why would you come here feeling guilty? And that means his death was in vain. And that everything that we do in the name of Jesus Christ becomes useless and meaningless. What would be the purpose of a celebrating communion every week when we don't understand what that means? So here we are. We find ourselves 500 years in the future and the church is detached and confused and trying to find ways of connection, trying to remember what it means to be servants of one another even from a socially distanced place. We talk to each other through screens and we, we talk to each other in worship, but at the same time, we do it with kind of a, a, a guarded distance. And a connection that no other human being can understand except those that have followed Jesus as their Savior. The sacrifice of Christ cannot go in vain in the next 500 years. Jesus' conversation with human beings was given to us in such a way that allows us to bring people to the heavenly place of worship. It gives us from a place of understanding that was self-giving of Christ as the perfect sacrifice, the effectiveness goes deeper than simple ritual and this writer preacher, preacher teaches us that Christ can make it presentable before God by cleansing our hearts from deeds that lead us to death. Since Christ has been broken through the power of death and accomplished the forgiveness of sin, he has created a new covenant and announces it through his unremitting intercession for us in his own before God. For as people continue to wander around earth, this fact contains the reason, the confidence that we need. Christ can be our high priest, but he can also be our saving grace. How are you going to make a difference of giving of yourself and relaying and understanding that sacrifice that Jesus made on your behalf. Do you come to this place from a place of guilt or a sense of freedom? The world can be afraid and scared and on fire. But when we come to this place, we find a sense of peace love and compassion that the world does not give. Let us not let that sacrifice go in vain. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.